It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, November 30th, 2021. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. Sitka reported four new coronavirus cases over the weekend and one new hospitalization. Sitka's seven-day case rate now stands at eight, one case away from shifting back to high COVID alert. Sitka has been oscillating between high and moderate alert levels for the last two weeks, along with the majority of Alaska. Statewide, only two cities are currently in low alert, despite a 23 percent decrease in positive cases from last week. Since the beginning of the pandemic, Sitka has reported a total of 1,234 positive cases, 25 hospitalizations and five deaths. A large storage shed caught fire early Monday morning in Vedetti's trailer court, threatening two nearby homes. The Sitka Fire Department received a call at 3 a.m. Monday morning that a shed on the 2700 block of HPR was on fire. Two fire engines and an ambulance responded to the scene. According to Assistant Fire Chief David Johnson, the shed was already fully engulfed upon their arrival. It took seven fire personnel nearly three hours to put out the flames, but only the shed was affected. No one was injured in the blaze, and the origin of the fire is still under investigation. Sadie Rose and her partner Ricky Urias own the shed that burned down. In an interview with KCAW, Rose said they lost an estimated $50,000 in goods, including a chest freezer, thousands of dollars worth of tools, the engine of their boat, and Christmas gifts for their children. Rose said she's thankful for the help of her neighbors who were already throwing buckets of water on the fire when the couple awoke to the sound of crackling outside and first responders for their efforts in putting out the blaze. Rose has set up a Facebook fundraiser to support her family. You can find a link on our website, kcaw.org. State health officials are asking Alaskans to redouble their COVID precautions over the coming weeks as they brace for the arrival of the new Omicron variant of the coronavirus. The variant was first identified in South Africa last week, and scientists raised alarms over a high number of mutations it has compared to other variants. Since then, it's been detected in several other countries and has led to worldwide travel restrictions. Still, it's not clear whether the variant is more infectious than other variants and whether it causes different or more severe symptoms. Alaska's chief medical officer, Dr. Ann Zink, says state labs are ready to detect the new variant when it arrives. Just to be clear, we have no known cases in the state of Alaska or in the U.S. at this moment. That doesn't mean we don't have them. It's just we don't have any known sequences. State labs sequence about 300 positive cases of COVID each week to test for different variants. Currently, nearly all are Delta variant cases. When Omicron cases are detected, they'll be reported to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and on a state-run database. Zink says that Alaskans' reliance on air travel could put the state at risk for an early arrival of Omicron. She says state airports will start handing out rapid test kits to travelers, and she's urging Alaskans to take other precautions. It's just a good reminder that we're highly connected to the rest of the world and to use our tools, including testing, masking, staying home if you're sick, to slow it down uh, because how much international travel we have really does uh, just put us a part of that international community and uh, puts us at risk for having this introduced quickly. Early genetic evidence suggests Omicron's mutations may help it evade the immune system and reinfect people who previously had the disease. So far, it's not clear how well vaccines will work against Omicron, but officials say early evidence suggests that the vaccines will offer some level of protection. They're encouraging Alaskans to get vaccinated if they haven't and get a booster shot, which the CDC now recommends for all adults. 
The U.S. and Canadian border should be easier to cross for Canadian travellers this week as the COVID-19 testing requirement for Canadians returning home has been lifted for short trips. KHNS's Mike Swayze reports. Canadians travelling to the U.S. for trips of three days or less will no longer need to show proof of a negative COVID test to cross back into their home country as of midnight Eastern time on Tuesday morning, November 30th. Whitehorse resident Amy O'Connor says she's long overdue for a visit to the Upper Lynn Canal. My partner and I are super excited to be able to go to either Skagway or Haines simply to just be by the water, soak up a little bit of ocean time. Specifically in Skagway, pretty excited to hit up the brew pub. Um, it's definitely been a while. The U.S. border was open to all vaccinated Canadian travelers in early November. But the Canadian government still required a negative test result for land travel between the two countries, even though the U.S. border doesn't require one. That made the trip costly for Canadian residents. Each test performed for recreational travel purposes in the Yukon Territories, capital city of Whitehorse, costs over $200 Canadian. And for families, that can add up quickly. Now that the Canadian government has eased the testing requirement for Canadian residents, O'Connor says that if road conditions permit, she is planning to visit. We've been waiting um, mostly just for the testing requirements to lift for a quick day trip. Um, I would justify it if I wanted to you know, go to Alaska for more than a few days, but if we just want to go for a quick day trip, it just wasn't really uh, cost-effective and it's a couple more hoops to jump through, right? So um, that's mostly what I've been waiting for. The Klondike Highway, however, has seen multiple avalanches in the past couple of weeks, causing road closures and hazardous driving conditions. The latest avalanche on the British Columbia side of the border was cleared on Monday morning. The road from Whitehorse to Haines has several travel advisories as of Monday afternoon, meaning driving conditions aren't ideal. Two local lodges reported an uptick of bookings for this coming weekend, including the White House Inn in Skagway. Owner Chelsea Stone says her guests are excited to come to town to check their boats and hit up Skagway's restaurants. In the wintertime, we go down from nine rooms to five rooms, and four of those five rooms are booked with Canadians for the weekend. The relaxed requirements do not apply to U.S. citizens, so any fully vaccinated Alaskans looking to head to Canada will still need to present a negative molecular COVID-19 test and a completed ArriveCan app to cross the border. Reporting from Skagway, I'm Mike Swayze. Along the seawalk at Overstreet Park in downtown Juneau, you'll now see a 20-foot aluminum canoe. The large sculpture was created by Lingett artist Robert Mills with money from the Juneau Cares Artwork Grant. KTOO's Lindsay Brolini reports. Robert Mills says his head is always up in the clouds, dreaming about projects. This canoe was one of those dream projects. The canoe is all aluminum, a silver outline of a boat with formline designs on the bow and stern. From the seawalk, the shiny metal stands out against the mountains on Douglas and the Gastineau Channel. The canoe is a representation of Hlingit society. On one level, it represents the vessel that Hlingit people used to travel. On another, it represents the binary of eagle and raven, and being in harmony with the opposite clan. On a third level, he says it represents the world we live in today. Because, you know, certainly coming out of some very contentious times in society where we have seen some of the worst ills of humanity kind of play themselves out, that 
void is represented in the canoe sculpture by the negative space that normally would possess the body of the canoe. In creating Formline, Mills says that the negative space is used to help fill the positive. He compares the principle to this period of the pandemic and hopes that in their own lives, people use the negative to help shape the positive. Throughout Mills's life, whether it was growing up in cake or commercial fishing, he always found ways to make do with what he had. And he says that mentality applied to making this canoe. It was a lot of uh, research and development as far as applying what pressure, where, at what point, at how many pounds, you know, bending it one way, going back the other, just, man, it, it was a lot. He partnered with fabricator Brian Crapo to mold the metal and bring the piece to life. The completed canoe, named Yadachun, hasn't had a permanent home until now. It spent some of the pandemic in an empty store at the Nugget Mall. It was most recently at Centennial Hall, where it served as a backdrop for musicians who performed at the Indigenous Music Festival Rock Auk. Now the canoe is being permanently installed along the walkway in Overstreet Park at the original mouth of the Gold Creek, or Tzantikahini. You know, I think it's pretty fitting in that uh, at one point it used to possess many, many, many canoes. In the past couple years, the city has been investing more in native public art. With the Elizabeth Paradovich mural, the form line signs throughout downtown, and now this canoe. Mills says it's important to highlight native artists, especially as they have been historically suppressed in their own lands. You know, when you grow up not seeing some of this art form that resides in, you know, some of the finest art collections in the history of the world, Clinkett Art stands next to them, and yet growing up, you don't see that in your own homeland. Mills says gaining more representation in art is a step in the right direction. With more Native public art, Native children can look up at these works and be inspired to become artists themselves one day. In Juno, I'm Lindsay Brolini. Taking a look at the community calendar. The virtual November 2021 Maritime Grind is now available for viewing on YouTube and the Sitka Monthly Grind's Facebook page. All are invited to support Special Olympics Alaska athletes statewide by participating in the 2021 Polar Plunge virtually anytime through December 30th by registering online, raising a minimum of $125, and then taking the plunge. Register or find more information at specialolympicsalaska.org. Sitka Tribe of Alaska's Natural Resource Committee meets at 6.30 p.m. today via Zoom. And Art Change and KCAW present Sitka's Silver Linings, a celebration of resilience, stories and songs from pandemic times, at 7 p.m. today here on Raven Radio. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.